episode 83. Welcome to Winning at Work. This is Tony Moore. I'm your host. Please like, share, subscribe. It's on iTunes, Spotify. If you're checking this out on LinkedIn, share it. I would love to expand this into your network to help my guests' experiences and influence spread a little bit beyond what I have and what they have as well. You know, for those of us in sales, we understand there is a marketing piece that happens within the company. But what about PR? How does PR fit into marketing? How is PR different from marketing? What's the goal of a PR firm? And how should you suss out and select a PR firm? How does a PR firm select you? Maybe you're a brand and you're not being picked up by a PR firm and you want to be picked up by them. The insight that Matt has My guest today, Matt Kovacs, the president of Blaze PR, is going to really shed a lot of light on this very important aspect of growing your business through a PR firm. And Blaze PR, they are a lifestyle brand. And as a lifestyle brand, you want to think of it like you're hungry. You want a real piece of the market share. You go with a very specialized PR firm to really amp up your messaging and cut through the noise and really resonate with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to raise money, then you want to really craft that message out to the capital markets. The PR firm is there to help you kind of amplify that. And that's going to walk us through how he does it, how he helps his clients, and why they have become, why Blaze PR has become really the premier, most respected consumer PR strategist, not just in California, not just on the West Coast, but across the country with these lifestyle brands. Really interested to get your feedback, leave some comments. Looking forward to introducing everybody to Matt Kovacs and Blaze PR. Welcome to Winning at Work today, Matt Kovac. Glad you could join us. Thanks for having me. Well, you're very welcome, and I want to give people a little bit of your of your background because it looks like you've started at Levi Strauss, which is kind of an interesting company. The um, Levi had a uh, Strauss had a, a very interesting philosophy way back in the gold rush. You know, he he wasn't in, uh, interested in panning for gold; he was interested in giving all the the gold miners all their supplies. So it was a brilliant marketing strategy that he had from the, well, they had from the very beginning. Picks and shovels. I mean, that's the, uh, the, the whole strategy that's, you look at the cannabis industry, that's the one area that's growing is everyone that can supply all the, uh, you know, the tools that's really, uh, you know, I, I think I've taken that with me throughout my career of, uh, you know, really thinking about, you know, what you can do foundationally to help brands to really, uh, you know, elevate. Yeah, exa- I just thought that was a really interesting yeah. one, and I've even had a little podcast on on Levi Strauss and what can we learn from the gold rush. Um, well, for people who may not be familiar with Blaze PR here on the East Coast, I want to just um, kind of walk through a little bit of your background. Um, I know you're uh, you're really very very well known in California as one of the you know, most respected consumer PR strategists. Um, some of the uh, brands you've worked on, Marriott Hotels. Honest Tea, Easton Sports, Newcastle Brown Ale, Emma Waterways, and ESPN. Um, those are uh, very, very big name brands. Um, Easton Sports is huge out here. We have a, we've got so many travel baseball teams. I, you can't go anywhere without seeing those uh, those baseball bats. 
They are. I mean, it, it's still to this day one of the leading, uh, you know, manufacturers. And I think it, it's, again, they lead with technology. You know, the, the graphics have come a long way. But, yeah, I think the, the bats are really, um, you know, they're going to stand the test of time. I live in a neighborhood up in Johns Creek and just across the park. Well, just across the street, we have this beautiful park. And there's probably four or five baseball fields. And, on you know, given, you know during the season, that's all you hear are those aluminum bats <laughs> just pinging away. Um now, also a few more bits here. Um, you were named the uh, PR Executive of the Year. You've won quadru- PR uh, Blaze PR quadruple winner at the sixth annual PR World Awards. Um, I could just go on and on. You guys are at the forefront of public relations, and you're really my first public relations guest on the uh, Winning at Work uh, podcast for the food and beverage industry. So. The first question that most people have, Matt, is really what is a PR firm? Maybe how is it different from like internal marketing? And when your boss says, we need PR, go hire a PR firm. What in the world do you even look for when you're trying to suss out who to bring on to to support your brand? Yeah, I think, you know, the interesting thing when you look at uh, PR now is really what it can do to really cut through the noise. And, and, you know, a PR firm is really the ability to to communicate your brand's message and really share that with media, influencers, bloggers, you know, those gatekeepers that are going to reach your end consumers. And, you know, why PR can be really, you know, cost effective is that you can um, really tell a number of messages throughout um, very target audiences and through different, you know, product lines. So you may have uh, your, you know, your newer product launching, you know, the, the fun, sexy thing that's out there. But then at the end of the day, you still have your established brand. So we really try and, um, you know, build those stories, build those narratives. And I think, you know, when people look to, hey, we need to hire a PR agency, you know, I think many times it's, you know, you, you look at where your brand is in its life cycle. You know, what type of stories do you need to tell? Is it about um, acquisition or maybe, um, you know, going public? Is it about, hey, we need financing? You know, we need to get, um, you know, our funding going and we need to, you know, bang the drum and really have that buzz going about why our brands, you know, different, better, new, exciting, all those things that, you know, PR can really share that news. And there's a lot of layers within it. You know, there's the traditional media, uh, you know, press releases and, you know, uh, broadcasts, you know, morning shows. There's also the, the abilities to connect with, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial media to tell your, you know, executive or your founder story. And then, you know, everyone's favorite uh, topic now is influencers. And they can be, you know, from the nano influencers, you know, they can um, you really have high engagement with their followers. Or it's going to be someone, you know, at, at a higher clip where you're going to have to invest some dollars, but they have the abilities to spread that, you know, authenticity in a way that, uh, you know, tells that story and reaches, a, you know, a broader swath of people. And, and with the abilities to, you know, if they become an affiliate or if there's, you know, the discount codes that they can, you know, at some level drive sales as well. Yeah, I would definitely love to get into a little bit more about, you know, how to get the attention of a key influencer, you know, without paying a fortune for an endorsement. I mean, obviously, sometimes, you know, you have to do that. But let's say now you're faced with, okay, I've got to pick a, a PR agency. What what steps should someone go through? What are some of the um, key points to analyze? Let's say if you're a, uh, let's say, you know, a, a beverage company. Yeah, I, I think the first thing is chemistry. I think, you know, it's it very much, this becomes uh, like dating. So, you know, you're going to want to uh, meet the, not only the, the, you know, the executives to see how they, you know, look and think strategically, 
you know, what experience they have and what, you know, track record of success. But you also want to look at, you know, what they're doing um, with either, you know, like-minded brands or even, you know, brands that are, um, you know, interesting in, in the notoriety they get, you know, from a, a PR standpoint. You want to make sure, you know, that you drive with them because this is really, you know, people by people. So, you know, you're, you're looking at it as a way of, you know, I'm going to be invested in this team and, you know, I'm going to spend, you know, hours upon hours each month with them. And, you know, do I like them? Do I trust them? Do they get my brand? Do they get my message? And how are they going to help me, you know, to achieve these goals? So I think that's a big factor. Obviously, you look at, you know, case studies and, you know, their experience overall. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, if you have a... Uh, you know, a proposal you're requesting, or if you're looking for, you know, a scope of work, you know, what kind of ideas can they put in front of you that's, you know, specific about your brand, so it doesn't look just like a cookie cutter, here's, you know, here's our, our menu, if you will, you really want to see the, you know, the investment they're going to put into it uh, on the front end to see how they understand your business and what they can do to, to drive that. I think that's a, a big factor of, of, you know, what we hear from brands when we go into these, you know, searches. I'm curious, when you sign a new client, let's say uh, a craft beer company, do they require as part of that contract that you not do any PR for another craft beer company for 12 months or 24 months? How does that work in the PR world? You know, every brand is different. You know, some people have said, and I'll say within the, in the craft beer space, you know, you can work with any other beer, but it can't be another you know, German beer, or it can't be another, you know, uh, IPA, you know, it, it depends on each brand. You know, we obviously are, are siloed and, and, you know, within our um, experience and with our relationships, you know, we are, um, it's much like your uh, lawyer or doctor privilege, you know, everything you share with your PR team is, is beholden to that. And that we look to, you know, from an, a, a strategic advantage, what we can do to help you as you're out there competing. I think an important factor too, is you look at um, everyone's sort of business cycle and their business objectives. That's really, you know, from, from PR, we talk about the information is king. The more we can learn about your brand and even, you know, sales decks and how you present to your buyers and retailers, any and all that information is really important when we go, you know, we onboard a client and we go through that download. We want, you know, as many different people in the room as we can. It just doesn't have to be the PR person or the marketing person. We want, you know, salespeople, operations, executives, CEO, because they all have a different, uh, you know, different stake in the game. And they also look at their brand and even their, their job and their role differently. And that helps us to understand what, you know, the, the opportunity is, what the capabilities are of the brand, and then how we can really, again, share that message in a way that's authentic. That really sounds like the intake calls that we have with our clients when we're taking on a new search. We bring in all the stakeholders and we, we're doing the same thing. Just We're just getting that information dump. Um, culture is such a big part of it. You're obviously, yep. you're really essentially taking all that same information because you want to tell a story as, as we do as well. I'm curious though, when you're bringing on a new a new customer in a category, knowing that you might be put under contract and you you're not going to be able to work with other firms. Doesn't that put a little bit of pressure on you then to make sure you're choosing the right company in that category? Because, you know, if, if you choose the wrong one right now, you're, you're kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah. that's back to my, uh, you know, the, the theme of dating, you know, it really is, you know, it's, um, as you meet people and, and look, when we get approached, you know, we don't take on every piece of business, you know, as you meet yeah, people, you go. You go through that process, right, you know, right. you can tell if, Oh, you know, you're my fifth PR firm this year. And I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. It's only July. How have you gone through five already? <laughs> Obviously, you know, there's expectations or, or off, or, you know, it, it's just chemistry is so important. I'd say the other thing too, is that, um, 
you look at when, when you do that um, sort of discussion, even before you've you know done the onboarding to talk to people and understand what their expectations are for PR. If they think, you know, oh, you know, we'll, we'll get the agency and we'll sell out of every product we have. That's not really how PR works. You know, PR is about brand building. It's about connecting with, uh, you know, media and consumers. It's more of the long tail um, game because you're helping to build the credibility. It's that third party validation. You know, your, your ads can say how great you are. You know, your um, your social media can, can tout all your story telling. But what we try and do, you know, really is is you look for those third party endorsers to be able to say, yes, the, the product works. It's great. I enjoy it. I like it. So you're having those types of ways that it connects to, uh, you know, the consumers. And it's important to understand that. Otherwise, you know, it, it's going to be this, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy where you think, okay, the agents, this agency didn't work. We didn't sell anything. We need a new agency. And it becomes this just cycle of, you know, bad marriages. Right. So you're just going to avoid the uh, crazy relationship right from the very beginning. It sounds like very wise, very wise. That's the chemistry piece that you're talking about. Well, uh, tell me a little bit more, though, about selecting these key influencers. That that sounds very interesting, and I think most brands are thinking, you know, we, we really could use that extra push from, you know, from that influencer. But how do you go about selecting that influencer? How do you even contact them? Do you go through their talent agent? How, you know, how does that work? Sure. I, I think there's, you know, uh, and I'll go through all those sort of uh, uh, of sort of factors. So, you know, the, the first thing is, you know, we look at is, okay, what's what's the brand? What are we trying to achieve? You know, if it's a beverage and, you know, if it's about, um, you know, health and wellness and it's about, you know, how, how it helps you recover from a workout. So then we'll look out, we'll look for different influencers that are tied in that space. So they're authentic, they're either fitness or they're, you know, it could be hiking, it could be you know, all these different a- aspects that make sense. So what we try and do is, uh, you know, connect with those. And, and it can be done in different ways. To, to your point, they, they may have some sort of management or, um, you know, agent or manager, some sort of, you know, uh, a way to speak to them there. They also have, you know, just through the, you know, the power of technology through their, uh, be it Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, you know, we'll just, you know, direct message them, explain, you know, what the brand is, what we're looking to do. And, and many times, um, you know, it's just product in kind. We'll, you know, we'll supply them, uh, with product to try and test and, and get their feedback and then, you know, look for, you know, be it posts or, you know, stories. The other thing we can do is, um, you know, for, for many of them, you know, they have either affiliate uh, relationships or we'll give them that, you know, that code where they can earn some, uh, you know, passive income as well. So if they're, you know, posting about it and they have, you know, click this link or swipe up and you're able to get, you know, purchased directly through my link, they're able to see, you know, through their followers, uh, you know, that they're telling that story and it, and it becomes more authentic. They have more skin in the game. They have more abilities to, you know, really tell that story. And especially when it's something that um, connects across, you know, multi-levels, you know, you don't have to be a professional athlete. You may be, you know, weekend warrior or, you know, as you work out, you're looking for something to help with recovery. So there's ways to to tell that story in a way that, uh, you know, the influencers can do that. And it's, it's a much more personal way, you know, especially when you look at, you know, even nano influencers that might have 20, 50, 100,000 followers, but they have such higher engagement than someone that has, you know, the multi-million followers because, you know, you're, it's a numbers game and it's statistically you can look at it from that standpoint and really be able to track which ones are going to be relevant. The other thing you're seeing is um, when you can take a lot of these influencers, you know, that take the, the online offline. So if you have events or if you have tasting opportunities, you have things where you can bring them to these events where they're able then to cover not only the product, but then also the event itself. So you have those relationships that you build and we do this, you know, across the country and and even throughout Canada. So it's, it really depends on you, what the the brand's uh, goals are and then really utilizing influencers to help achieve that along, you know, layered in with traditional media, bloggers, broadcasts, all those factors. So you're seeing it become a holistic approach for, uh, you know, media relations. Well, now that, 
Well, I was going to say now that COVID's over, but I guess there's all kinds of different news and reports out there. So let's just kind of setting that aside for a minute and thinking back on all the live events and, you know, how effective those have been with PR strategies. Do, do you, you know, tell us, you know, your opinion about live events, because that really seems like where you can make a, a, a pretty big splash and get a lot of PR from lots of other sources that's just covering the event. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of factors. I think, you know, the events themselves, it gives the opportunity for brands to meet, you know, actual consumers and media, you know, et cetera. So if it's a new product launch, a new restaurant opening, uh, you know, the unveiling of, a, of an exhibit, you know, whatever the, the event is, it, it gives your, your brand a, a platform to be able to invite people to come see it. So it's a way that you're able to have that, you know, that, that brand sort of come to life. So, you know, it can be in a number of ways if it's, you know, the, the unveiling of new beverage. It's not just about, hey, come and drink it. You know, there could be a yoga event. There could be, you know, a, a workout. There could be a, a surf event, you know, to, to really experience it. You really want to create, you know, so much uh, in life now is about, you know, events in those moments. So experientially, we want to try and create that type of connection so that as, media influencers, et cetera, attend, they have that, uh, you know, that muscle memory of, oh, wow, I remember I tried this and we were at the surf event and I had the best time ever and I learned to do this. So you're creating all these, uh, you know, connectivities that then the, uh, you know, the media and, and or influencers are able to tell that story in a much more authentic way. So it doesn't feel like it was just, oh, I got this beverage in the mail and I drank it, put it in my fridge, drank it, and now I've had it. You know, it, it feels so much more transactional, but this is a way that you're really able to create that connection. And also it's great for brands to actually meet and talk to these people. You know, it, it's the human connection where I think so many times you, know, you don't have that when you're just shipping out press kits and it's this, you know, nameless, faceless uh, person, even if it is their Instagram account, you've, you've never, you know, physically met them and been able to explain about your brand or connect with them. And, and I think that's really important for brands when you're out there uh, because they do, they get to tell those stories. And, and once again, it's, it's the connection that people then have for the brand and it makes them feel like, okay, I get it. I met the CEO. He told me the story, how they came up with it. It, you know, it, it fits with my, uh, you know, my lifestyle. And I understand much more deeper about the brand than if it was just, you know, given to me or, or sent to me. So I think those are some important factors that we look at, you know, overall. It looks like that helps to really create that brand, more than just brand awareness, but those brand ambassadors, those that high engagement, those people go out and they just want to, you know, share that great experience and they kind of bring along that product with them that was part of it. Yeah. And I think the other thing um, that we look at is, um, you know, what an event can do from, you know, it's that first splash. And then it's the uh, ripple effect. You know, what, what happens coming out of that event? Because you have the pre-event, you know, buzz. You have all the people there afterwards. Then you have the post-event, be it follow-up. If it's, you know, if you launch something and you can tell that story about what happened at the event, you have all the people that now you've had that connection with, um, you know, after the event that you're able to, you know, follow up with for coverage. And then, you know, keep them, they're invested now in the brand in a way that they weren't before. It's, it's, a, it's amazing. I think there, that's a whole nother level of... Um, of engagement. When you hear that a brand is failing or struggling, do you instantly think, boy, this company just doesn't have a PR strategy or they just, you know, need a, a, a rebranding? I'm, I'm sure there's a different example for everyone. Yeah, I think, you know, when we get approached when it is brands that are, you know, maybe, you know, at the tail end of their life cycle, or if they're going through, you know, they were just acquired by, you know, a venture capital firm, they're looking to, you know, re rebirth this brand. You know, we, we really try and look under the hood and we'll do um, a number of things. And one of the bigger ones is a, a media perception audit. 
So we'll go and, and we'll really um, get data. You know, we want to see what media think about the brand. So we'll go uh, and, and pull really about, you know, 30 to 40 media, ask them a series of questions. Really, you know, we, we flip the script. You know, media are so used to people, you know, spamming them, you know, uh, telemarketer harassing them, you know, that type of relationship. But we, you know, say, hey, you know, hey, we know you, we love you, you know, you've worked with us forever. We're working with this brand. Here's some questions. We'd love to just get your opinion and feedback. Obviously, you're in the know. You're, you know, uh, brands, competitors and other brands alike are, you know, talking to you all the time. So we'd love to find out your opinions and we want to see what's uh, going on, you know, within that. And, and what's great is that you're, you know, especially with so many of these brands, people are living in that bubble. You know, they sort of done it all, seen it all within the brand, but it's a way for us to get data that says, hey, you know, here's the opportunities that media think you guys could go after. And, and what that does, knowing that, um, we have that opportunity. It opens the door back for when we launch or, or relaunch to go back to media and say, hey, we listened to you. Here's some things that we've done. Here's, you know, you're part of this journey now. And I think it's important for brands to look at that. You know, there's so much other consumer data they can do, but the media data is so important because of, you know, what that holds down the line. It's literally like a reverse focus group. Instead of, you know, working on a brand and bringing in the consumer, you go back to the, uh, to the media. I've, that's, that's incredible. The media perception audit. Tell me a little more about Blaze PR. Where is your sweet spot? What is your ideal customer? You know, wh where do you find that you're really in your sweet spot? Yeah, I would say, you know, Blaze is interesting. You know, we're a lifestyle uh, agency. And within that, you know, we have a number of brands that as, you know, people go about their day, they come into contact with. So we look at it as, you know, brands that have um, different factors from from a new standpoint. So, you know, it could be those entrepreneurial startup brands that have, you know, they're, they're really, you know, creating a better mousetrap, if you will. And they have, you know, new opportunities for us to be able to, to pitch out. We have, um, you know, a number of sustainability brands. So be able to tell the story about, you know, uh, uh, the, the dirge of plastics, you know, that are out there and, and what brands are doing to, to compete against that. We talk about regenerative agriculture. So there's so many you know, brands that we look at that, you know, within the natural space that um, I think are important for us. And we do a lot in health and wellness. So we have a number of supplement brands, so we can tell that story. And especially, you know, you look over the past year when everyone was revisiting their, be it their, you know, their supplements, their vitamins, their medicine cabinet as to what they could or should take to help them, especially from yeah, immune with, the immune, with their immune system. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we have a number of, of you know, uh, products and brands like that. So you're able to Connect. So we look at it from that standpoint of, and, and it's back to that, you know, media perception audit. Brands that we work on, you know, we want it to be something that we can help tell that story and build that brand versus something that, um, you know, if, it, if we know it's going to be um, challenging, you know, if, if the brand has un the unreal expectations or, you know, if they feel that, you know, they're telling a story or if it's something that, you know, quite frankly, we don't believe in. You know, I think that's an important factor, and, and it's a team decision. It's not just, you know, myself and my, you know, uh, executive team just saying, hey, we should, yeah, let's take as many clients as we can. You know, we really look at it as, is this right for the agency? Does this make sense? Is it interesting? Uh, and I think that helps us to grow. And, and even within that, you know, obviously we have a number of food and beverage clients, but we have a sports betting app. We have, uh, you know, the world's warmest socks. We have, uh, you know, um, a, a photo sharing, you know, clients. So there's things like that that we look at that it's interesting. It, it fits within our lifestyle, you know, sort of portfolio. And also, I think for your team, you know, back to the culture of the agency, you want it to be interesting for them because, you know, you don't want to just be in that rabbit hole of, okay, every day I'm pitching these same, you know, 50 beverage media. And, you know, today it's, uh, you know, this sparkling drink, tomorrow it's this drink, and, you know, the next day it'll be that one. You, you want to have some variety, and also it gives you the abilities to speak to different media. And I think that's always important. That's the value proposition for clients is that we're not just 
that linear focused only, you know, this certain types of media, it gives you the abilities then, you know, as, as you grow and expand that we probably have connectivity to some sort of, be it morning show producers, you know, the business journals, whatever it is that you're able to tell that story broader than just, oh, you know, we got in another beverage trade. Yeah, you've kind of uh, really opened up my eyes to this this concept of a portfolio. I think of that as, you know, many artists, you know, they, they have these different por- portfolios, different styles. You've really done the same thing there at Blaze PR by bringing on um, companies and brands that fit a lifestyle, that kind of fit what you think is important, things that resonate with you and your team, and you're just kind of building out these multiple platforms and you just bring other brands into that category. And when you're, you know, looking at another potential brand, they can look at, Hey, they've got five other companies or brands similar to ours, not maybe direct, you know, not direct competition. And they can see the progress. They can see the maturation of that brand. They feel like they've got a home there. That makes sense from a sales perspective. They can, um, you know, it kind of takes away a little bit of the risk, I, I would imagine, you know, of going with a PR firm because, it, like you say, it's it's a longer game. I think the other thing, too, is that the um, cross-collaboration that I think is important sometimes. You know, we have within our roster of different clients that we can look to collaborate and have, you know, be it, you know, they could be just social giveaways, you know, Instagram posts together, um, you know, different cross-marketing or shopper marketing opportunities there's ways that, you know, as we shepherd these brands that we look to, you know, create these types of connections because it helps, you know, the, the rising tide rises all boats. So can we, um, you know, look for ways to build these opportunities and create these types of news, you know, because, you know, that's the, that's kiss the death of any agency. If you say, well, you know, as a client, you didn't do anything new this year, so it was hard for us to get coverage. And, and we throw that, you know, out the window and say, what can we do as an agency to help you? you know, create that news and what can be done to, to build these types of stories and opportunities and, you know, even, even bordering in some of the marketing opportunities and looking for ways to, to tell that story. So back to that point, you're not just, hey, we have new product X, we go to the trade show, we have three months that it'll be relevant. Then we get into, you know, it's holiday gift guide season, then it's into the next trade show. You know, it's not this cycle. Obviously, those are the realities of life. But then, you know, what can we do in those, say, downtimes or maintenance times that we can help to create those types of stories? So what trends are you noticing right now in the different food or beverage categories? Some that maybe are trending up and maybe some that seem a little sluggish right now. I think the biggest thing, and and it may be obvious, but, you know, I think we see it probably more so is is anything plant-based. So you're seeing it obviously from the plant-based meat category. Uh, You're seeing it in, you know, seafood, chicken, you know, turkey, all these different plant-based alternatives, as well as in the beverage aisle. So I think plant-based is such a big factor. And, you know, so many of our brands are either exploring um, opportunities within that or looking to uh, expand or acquire, you know, in that. So that, that's a big part of it. And, and media are looking for that as well. There was a little bit of a fatigue for a while, but I think that the innovations are starting to shine through. And I think that's a big factor. And, and also really the, um, the energy category, you know, energy beverages across the board are, are just booming. You know, you look at and a lot of that, I would say, from. You know, the pandemic, everyone's, you know, sort of uh, rituals of, of caffeine, if you will, or energy sort of change. You know, you're hanging out at your coffee shop all morning or your, you know, uh, elements of on the go or even just being at home uh, for a while where, you know, you couldn't go outside. You know, that's where you look at it from, you know, energy has, um, you know, in, in the canned opportunity, you know, you're having it in a ready to drink format. It's, you know, you know the, the first can is going to taste the same as the, you know, the 24th in your case. 
So you're having those opportunities, but also there's so much innovation within that. You know, there's zero sugars, there's, um, you know, the, the abilities of natural, you know, caffeine uh, alternatives and all those things. So I think those are big, uh, you know, categories overall. And I'd say, you know, the obvious one is, you know, soda is really trending downwards, but there's a lot of those soda alternatives or plant-based sodas that are coming up that are changing the the narrative of, of what that means. You know, you're seeing, you know, especially, you know, sugars in the penalty box now. So any way that you can find, other alternatives to that. Yeah. So sweeteners and, and things like that. So we're seeing, you know, our, our clients in many ways are looking to, um, you know, achieve beyond that and showcase, you know, obviously flavor is going to win the day and, you know, taste and that profile. So, you know, our job in many ways is to get, you know, it's that, mo- you know, food in mouth, drink in mouth, you know, get it out there and, and have, media really enjoy it and understand it and then they can translate that into coverage would you say that the energy space or energy drink is a new category like you know coffee is obviously very mature and they just keep trying new innovations they do cold brews and they just kind of keep trying you know different things um but it's to to my knowledge though the energy drinks have not been around you know, that long. I, I, I can't recall. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of brands that are celebrating 20 years uh, this year. So you're looking at it as, you know, it's a whole generation plus that have grown up on energy drinks. So, you know, you see that it really is part of the, the life cycle now of, of, you know, in the beverage, you know, be it convenience stores or in grocery that, you know, that it's part of it. It's not going away. It's not a, a trend or a, um, you know, a fad. Energy drinks really are part of that. And I think you've seen that with the adoption of the, you know, no sugar, zero sugars, different flavor profiles, different, um, you know, uh, categories and even the occasions where they, you know, look at it from that standpoint, there's, you know, energy coffees, et cetera. So you're seeing how that category can evolve. But I think to that point too, where you see, you know, in the natural space, how brands, you know, come in and evolve and, and look at it versus maybe some of the traditional leaders. So I think that's where, you know, the energy category really uh, shifts. So this is maybe a loaded question. It probably depends on, you know, the goals of the company and how fast they, they want to grow. But can you, can you talk a little bit about how you would advise uh, maybe a startup who's trying to, you know, cut through the noise when they want to create a budget? Is there any, uh, any guidance that you can provide around the planning for, you know, an effective long-term PR strategy? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously it starts with a budget. You know, you look at from a line item standpoint, you know, what are you looking to invest within PR? And then I think from there as well, you know, look at your your own, uh, you know, where you are in your brand's evolution. So are you looking to launch, uh, you know, by the end of the year? So, okay, you backtrack and say, all right, if we're launching in November, you typically would want you know, your, your PR agency on board at least a month prior, you know, two weeks at the minimum. But, you know, you need to have, um, you know, them come on board and then, from there, it's really um, looking at it from, okay, if we feel between our launch and, say, our first trade show, just you know, as an example, okay, that's six months, that's you know, how much a month can we spend, and then what are the activities, and then you know, take into, into account, you know, obviously, seasonality. So if you're launching, say you're launching on the West Coast, and it's you know, going to be warmer weather, and there's more abilities for uh, you know, trial and, and things outside, so I think the, um, the aspects of, of that are part of that. And then you look at it from, you know, knowing that, you know, PR is not that direct source medium, so you're not going to see direct sales, you know, right away. Are there things that can happen um, when you look at it from that budget standpoint to put those into effect? Uh, but then I think at the same time, you know, what is your threshold? You know, where are you spending your dollars? Is it, you know, your slotting fees? Is it your, um, 
uh, you know, your, your packaging, your, you know, your trade ads, all those types of things come into effect. And then I think it's to that point, you know, when you find an effective partner that can maybe grow with you, you know, they may have, um, and, and we've done this, you know, depending on the category where we have sort of, I'll say starter rates, you know, if it's a place that, you know, we've had experience in, we know the, the players involved, what makes sense to, you know, get engaged in that regard so that it can help you in the long run. And then um, at that point, then, you know, you have, uh, especially within, you know, obviously your agreements, you know, you probably have different out clauses or if it's a, a project slotted, you know, for, hey, here's six months of, of time. Um, so I think that's a big part of, of what we try and do. And, and I think that's how brands can look at it, you know, the, in that entrepreneurial mindset, you know, how can these dollars help us to get the, uh, you know, right in front of the right people? Yeah, because when you're sitting down and going through that media perception audit, and you're also talking to them, the, to the brand, if you find out that they've got really low margins, you know, that could be a big red flag as well, because you've got to have, according to CPG experts, you know, at least a 50% margin. So you can, to your point, pay for your tra your trade ads and, and uh, ads and your, your slotting fees, you know, uh, innovations in, in packaging, because if you don't have the margins, then you're, there's just no way for you to, I mean, wh where are you going to find the money? Right. And I think that's part of, you know, we've had, um, you know, a number of, of brands where they're, um, you know, their money guys, the, uh, venture capital guys, or, you know, those people are like, okay, let, you need to have an agency. You need to get the word out. You know, they're looking at it right out the gate of you know, being able to tell those stories because that helps them in be it a, a money raise or just you know that that you're seeing it within key trades. You know, be it Bevnet or Nosh or you know Food Navigator. Those things. You know, they want it to show up and make sure that you're getting appropriate awareness to the buyers and retailers, and then that helps that helps them all tell that story. So I think that's where they see the um, the connections overall. Yeah, and then of course at that point it's just an investment because if you don't have the margins or you're still building your margins, then it's just to your point. They just those private equity firms just want to get in there and, and get that good publicity so they can get that um, extra round of, of funding. We we were talking a little bit offline, and you were mentioning that there was a difference the way media was handled, uh, food versus uh, beverage. Do you, do you remember that conversation? You, I think you, you made a kind of an interesting comment around the the role that uh, media plays in, in beverages. Yeah, I think, you know, within the beverage category, I, I think that the beverage media itself uh, is known. And I think, you know, we've seen this where they really uh, shepherd and, and really help uh, brands to take off. You know, I, I think that's what they, they've all sort of taken that under their wing to say, OK, we can help elevate this category and, and again, be it innovation or, you know, the, the newness and even existing brands, you know, beverage media, I think really does a great job to bring those stories to life. And they have so many opportunities, be it online and, and you know, traditional print, but, you know, they really look, look for those uh, elements and they have a number of, you know, pitch slams and, you know, uh, Zooms and they, you know, they pivoted just like everyone else during the pandemic. But I think beverage media is just known as from an endemic standpoint, they really try and um, shepherd and help, and they give a lot of guidance. They make a lot of connections, even if it's just like, hey, you should talk to this person. And, you know, just to really have those conversations, I think we've seen that in a number of, uh, you know, peoples from BevNet and, and uh, you know, Beverage Digest, Beverage Industry News, Beverage Business Insights, you know, all those guys, they just really look. And, and I think part of it is you're just being geeked out in the beverage category, that they all look for opportunities and really build those 
connections for brands. And I think they know, you know, it's, it, they're there in the long tail game. You know, they're, they, a lot of these pubs have been around for you know, almost 20 years themselves. So they're looking for ways that they can help grow these brands for the long term. And, and they've seen it. They've seen, you know, brands come and go or be acquired and, and go through those uh, elements overall. So I think that's the, um, the factor that we look at and, and why I think those guys have been great. And we spend time with them, you know, at trade shows, you know, we're in town, you know, the BevNet's up in Boston. When I go visit my in-laws, I've stopped by their offices before just to say, Hey, you know, it's, you know, you work with them so much via email and, you know, text and all that stuff. And even, you know, spamming them during the trade shows, it's important <laughs> to create those connections. Cause these are our, our people, you know, PR people are funny. You know, our friends are either, media or other uh, agencies. So I, I think it's something that we look to, uh, you know, establish and, and they do a great job, again, really helping and understanding what brands are doing. So there's just something about the beverage media that's just set, that separates them that makes them very different from food. Yeah, I think food, part of it is, I think beverage, when you look at the category itself, you know, it, it really is maybe, like I said, that 20 years. So it is, you know, in a, uh, a longer tail game, it, it's a lot, you know, I'd say younger, if you will. And a lot of these publications are younger, so they've looked at it differently than some other maybe traditional sort of food media. And also, I think it's only over maybe the past five, ten years that um, the food media has probably evolved similar to the beverage media, where it is the shepherding and the, you know, the connections that way. I think that you know, in the past, it was such you know, a big part of you know, big agriculture or you know, the, the bigger conglomerate holding companies that really controlled that narrative. So I think that's been a, a difference now, too, where you have much more entrepreneurial businesses, you know, you look at the, the growth of, you know, the plant-based, uh, you know, category and what that, that's done as well. So you're seeing much more innovations. And I think that lends itself to media having to, you know, compete as well. Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like because there are maybe more of those entrepreneurial beverage companies that the, the media has kind of evolved to keep up with them. And as you say, just kind of be innovative and maybe it's a little bit younger, a little hipper vibe. And that has kind of created that, you know, shepherding type of, um, culture. Um, so when, when you set out to do any hiring for yourself, um, and maybe there's a, a creative team that's listening to this and they have to do some, some internal hiring. Do you have any just general advice when it comes to hiring creatives or, you know, internal PR, uh, marketing professionals just in general? You know, I think for us, it's interesting, you know, we, a couple things. One is, you know, we have, a, a, I think, a pretty robust internship program. So we look in, to grow, you know, internally. So as we have interns and, you know, they pass through their, their time that we bring them on board and, and make them full-time employees. So I think that's an important element of, you know, giving them the opportunity to, to prove themselves and also learn via the, the blaze way, if you will. And I think the other thing is, you know, we look at it of, um, again, people that have had within their, you know, uh, PR careers, be either in-house or, um, you know, at other agencies, it's really looking for, you know, similar to the brands, you know, that as you look to hire an agency, that like-mindedness, you know, they, they don't have to have worked on beverages, but have they done, you know, creative things in their, you know, in their career? Have they done, you know, interesting elements? What, what type of track record have they had? And also, you know, the, the longevity, you know, do they bounce agency to agency every six months? You know, are they there, you know, are they become someone else's, you know, problem child or are they someone that, um, you know, has been there a number of years and they're looking to establish themselves and make that next leap uh, and, and want to get into these categories as well. We've had a number of people that um, we've hired that came from uh, P 
PR where they were doing just you know law firms or they were doing more um, uh, city type PR. And you can see they have the chops. You know, they obviously have the, the strong writing skills. They have the um, the wherewithal, and they understand uh, you know how PR works, or even just from a pitching standpoint. And they're they're really interested in, in looking to get in to be it lifestyle, food, beverage. So you, you have that sort of desire. So I think that's an important factor when we interview people. What we look for, and you know, you see it come through in their cover letters, and they you know tell the story, and they you know as they see maybe some of the brands we work on. You know, they'll talk about, oh, you know, I can remember the first time I had this and, you know, I read that article that you guys got here. And so you're seeing people that are thinking, you know, much like we look to, you know, work with our clients, that they're looking to, you know, pitch us and to get, you know, engaged in that regard as well. Have you ever given a test like that to a new person to like a homework assignment to, to pitch something? Has that ever yeah. come up? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we have within that. Sure. As, as we have, um, again, different writing tests and, and things like that, but we'll say here's Here's a brand. Here's ten bullet points. Write a um, you know quick you know uh, paragraph pitch. How would you yeah, pitch it sense. to media? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, just kind of do it right there on the spot. Or, no, that's great. And I love the internship program. And I think a lot of companies are starting to assess that and really use that to their benefit. I know we use an internship program. I don't always convert everybody out of it, but um, it's a great way to get exposed to. Young talent, it's a little more affordable. And frankly, you know, you can kind of teach them the Blaze PR way, you know, right from the very beginning, and you don't have to help them shed any bad habits. Well, and we like to do it as well with um, obviously interns that maybe have had, you know, we, we typically have like four interns a semester. Uh, and then what we try and do is three of them have had other internships. And I always like to have at least one intern that this is their first internship because you got to get that first one under your belt. And I think that's an important factor, and it's something that I, I had that opportunity back, you know, when I was in school. That I, it was my oh, first. Oh, that's great! You're just kind of helping, kind of give back yeah, a little bit, right? And, and it's interesting because you know, especially we talk about you know, so many of them are taking the PR classes now. You know, when I went to school, there weren't the true sort of PR uh, degrees that there are now, and it gives them the opportunity to learn as well as you know, help, but you know, be able to write press releases and pitches and you know, pitch media and build lists and do research. And so they're seeing it from that different point of view. And then, you know, obviously that gives them the leg up for that next internship. And, and typically when it's someone that is their first internship, it's typically someone that's maybe a, you know, the, the summer of a sophomore to junior year or someone that's a junior. So they're not looking to get hired right away. Uh, you know, we look at it from that standpoint of let's give them that opportunity. Um, and I think overall it's helpful too. And, and look, you get kids that are, it's new for them. It also, you know, they have no fear of failure. So here, call 50 people and they'll do it where, you know, an intern that's maybe their third internship, they're like, well... You know, does anyone pick up the phone anymore? You know, you have these sort of you know, ethical discussions. <laughs> They're already jaded after two right. interviews. Like, they do, though. You got to call. You got to do. This is the hustle you do. So it's interesting, and I think the um, the aspects of, of what um, you know what brings it to life are. Uh, I think that that's the lifeblood of any agency. Is you know how good is your your culture, obviously, and then your interns. You know what kind of you know you know youth and vitality are you bringing in as well. So I think anyone listening right now can obviously tell that one of your superpowers is communication. That's clear. But it is a topic that I like to explore with people. And I don't know, have you ever taken a, a Clifton Strengths Finder or any of those to kind of suss out, you know, what what your uh, kind of natural innate skills are? So I've done the sort of the Colby test and, and where, again, in that regard, which is, again, a little different, but, you know, my thing is um, I'm a quick start. You know, at the end of the day, 
you know, I, I think that's everyone would say that, that I'm, you know, again, we talked about, I was up, you know, five 30 this morning and it's, you know, it's the West coast and you're, you're running, running around, but it's really about, um, you know, let's get stuff done and, and let's hustle. And, you know, we want to make sure that, especially for clients, but I think myself, it's that innate background of, of making sure that we're doing all we can and, you know, within our abilities to be able to bring that to life. And, and I think that's why, you know, again, I try and teach, as we just said with the interns, about, you know, the, the power of the phone call. You know, there's it's almost going old school where you call people, but, you know, when they pick up and you can have a conversation and tell that story about a brand or or even just talk to them, you know, have that human-to-human connection versus just, hello, can I tell you about the new beverage? It's about, hey, how are things going? What's new in your world? You know, how are you surviving? What's, you know, what are you seeing out there? I think that's where you have deeper relationships. And, and that was the way I was brought up, you know, in, in PR was, you know, the media were the people that you needed to have and become, you know, best friends with. And that was, you know, I, I started my career in Chicago and that was, you know, the, if you say the old school cliche Chicago media, you know, you met at the, at the bars after they got off work and you were able to pitch them stories and talk to them and understand what they were looking for. And it really, you know, it's been a, a, a part of that, uh, you know, transition that, you know, obviously as it changes from, email to, you know, or I should say from maybe from fax to email to, um, you know, <laughs> you've just dated but, yourself, Matt. <laughs> exactly. But I think those are things that are important to, to bring to life. And I think the, um, the elements of, of what it does. And I think that's, that's what I've, you know, in, what I enjoy doing. And, and I think what I've had success with in the past of, of being able to connect with people and, you know, how tell those stories and also, you know, create deeper relationships, not just be transactional. Interesting, though, among all the things you mentioned, you didn't mention anything about creativity, which is at the center and the core, right, of what you do. Yeah, and I think that's that's interesting. And I think that um, I, I look at that a lot of times as it's the team approach. You know, if, if it's just, you know, myself being creative in and of itself isn't going to be as powerful as what we do at Blaze. And I think that's where it's, you know, taking those connections and obviously from a team standpoint, what we can do to take that creativity and, and spread it out. And, and really, I look at it as, uh, those elements that are that make you know that that makes the whole thing you know the soup taste better if you will you put all these things together and then it's a way for us to tell that story and, and at the same time brands can feel that uh, experience and feel that love and know that you know media have been told that story to the best of our abilities and that they're able to then um, you know bring that to life. Well, you definitely are a quick start, and you're obviously high energy. So anyone who does sign on with you, they ought to expect. You know, a, a rise and shine, let's go get them kind of attitude. I, I love it. That that really resonates with me. Um, I took the Clifton Strengths Finder, and my first uh, two skills that showed up were activator and ideation. So I, I totally get the whole quick start thing. Although I, I do want to ask you a question about the creativity and the ideas. I, I There is a downside with having too many ideas because then you just can't focus in on one thing. Is that... Is, is that something you have to kind of actively look out for or kind of watch or monitor within the team? Too much brainstorming, too much, um, or, you know, lack of focus? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I think that, you know, especially over the past year, you look at, you know, I, I think, A, you can never have too many ideas. But I think it also helps from that standpoint then within the, those ideas, we try and battle for the best ideas. So you can have those, that's part of that collaboration and I think part of the um, opportunities so that, yes, you know, it's better to have, um, you know, the best ideas come to the forefront, but we all, you know, you just don't want to hang your hat on one idea. You know, you want to look at it of, okay, what's this going to achieve? What are the goals? What can these ideas do? You know, we look at it from also from a lens of how will this resonate with media? What will this do to create that buzz, uh, you know, from there? And I think that's a factor 
within that, you know, you look at it from not an idea just for an idea's sake. And how does that help back to the original point of how does that help the sales team? How does that help, you know, recruiting? How does that help, uh, you know, your brand, you know, the, the, you know, to the buyers and retailers, you know, what is this going to do overall? And I think that's something that we try and take into account. That's why I think trade media is still so valuable for any brand because they have, they're still so well read within, um, you know, all those buyers and retailers, you know, they look at those as their Bibles across the board because they're speaking directly to them about innovations, new product lines, you know, new uh, promotions, et cetera. So I think that's a part of, of any of, in all ideas of how we can connect with key media. That's great. Well, you've just given us so much information and I know I, I kind of came at you from nine different angles at once, but I just had so many ideas that were coming and you brought so many interesting points up. So thank you for, uh, having a nonlinear conversation <laughs> kind of across the the uh, spectrum of, of of PR, Matt, is there anything that your company is currently hiring for that you would like just to kind of put a a, a notice out? I mean, I obviously you've got your internship program, but is there anything kind of unique that maybe someone's listening across the country and this yeah, um, I mean, you know resonates with them totally yeah i'd say you know we're, we're hiring currently for a senior account executive and an account executive so as we've been growing over the past whatever it is seven eight months now uh, into 2021 i think yeah we're you know we're have those openings and we're expanding so you know i, I think the easiest thing on our website there's a um uh the, the uh, job posting uh, link and you can see those there but yeah we're we're in the process and it's been um it's been fun you know especially through this where you had you know, for a while, we were able to interview people in person again, which was, you know, odd and awkward. But then, you know, you get used <laughs> to it again. And then now, you know, but now it's back to Zooms. But I think, you know, we, yeah, we're looking and, you know, it, it's a fun time. You know, I think a lot of the brands we work on are all in, um, you know, like we said, those different phases from a, a new standpoint. But they're um, from a lifestyle, you know, many of our uh, team, you know, that's why they work at Blaze. You know, you get to work on some fun, big brands and, you know, do some interesting work. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm, I'm really grateful that we were able to get connected and, you know, learn a little bit more about Blaze PR, your culture, your uh, client portfolios. Uh, we didn't even touch on any of your customers. You've got so many that are, that are on the website. I encourage people to go back to the website and kind of look through all the case studies. You'll find every, everything there, a lot of kind of interesting case studies. Um, we'll have to have you back on at some point to maybe talk through some some very specific, you know, clients that, that you've worked with that, that would want the extra publicity, you know, as a, as a success story. And, uh, maybe we can go a little more deeper maybe we can bring some more marketing people on too and have a, have a panel discussion and kind of see how all that unfolds. That sounds great. We have to, uh, add you to our mailing list so you can start to get all the, uh, the new product launches and you'll be part of the, uh, the PR machine. I, I would love to do that. It's one of the um, side benefits of uh, being in food and beverage is you get to, you know, have food and beverages. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's actually a thing. Well, Matt, honestly, uh, your time, uh, your insight, your wisdom has been great. Thank you very much for your time today on Winning at Work. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. <laughs>